Wig, did you just say wig? Wig, okay. Right. Oh, uh, she she's gone. Well, <laughs> like I you did. disconnect. Should <laughs> we start uh, again? I'm her, I'm her tier. No, okay. we're now. Okay. I'm her tier. I'm C Tapper. And this is um late <laughs> November edition. Yeah, um, this is oh, we, so we should preface this is our last interview for the year. Oh yeah. It but is. we are doing a recap at the end of December. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, two weeks from now. But um, besides that, besides when we talk about about ourselves for an hour, what are we doing today, Caitlin? Yeah, so I recently decided to go on a binge of all of their work. (laughs) 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 They are a very prominent nightlife person. It is. Yeah, Enigma. (laughs) (laughs) It's Nikki. Okay, let's say, let's see if I do it right. Otav. Right? You got it right. Yay! Yes. I was like, I'm gonna mess it up because oh. I always used to call you Nikki Odiv because that's how someone was telling me your name was, and so that was hard. <laughs> how, did you, how did you figure it out? I'm so glad. I, yes, I, I tried. I was like, okay, I'm gonna listen to all these interviews and figure out which one's the right one. Fantastic. Oh God, I love, I love preparedness. Thank you so much for getting that right. <sighs> it must be so annoying. How many people mispronounce your last name? Oh um, well. Uh, I mean, no, it definitely happens. It's not like all of the time, but yeah. definitely it happens. Like I would say like a good, like one out of every 10 introductions on mm. a mic, someone says out of, and I'm just like, ah, oh. it's like, I, it's not wrong, you know, but like, it isn't right, you know? <laughs> it's not right, but it's okay. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> but you better say it right and me. Yeah, like, that's correct. <laughs> So this, hopefully I don't have to ask this question come January. Hopefully we're done with this question, but how was your pandemic? (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I'm also looking forward to, for us all being able to forget this period in time, but um, it was fine. You know, it actually was really great for me kind of recentering myself artistically and taking like a little bit more hands-on approach to my drag and my costuming and all of that. I really, I taught myself how to do a lot of things. I was never involved in as far as like um, putting myself together and also just taking an even more hands-on approach to producing my events because I still threw some events during the, you know, when it was finally safe enough to come back out. But obviously you had to be a lot more hands-on with dealing with safety precautions and all of that. So I don't know, I think I became a much more thoughtful producer um, and also a more thoughtful performer, like because I had the time to really think the details through. It was fun. I mean, I feel, because I, I read some of your interview. I feel like you were pretty productive, <laughs> which is good. <laughs> I did, a, were, I did a lot. I, I did a lot. And uh, I did a lot. And I never stopped working during it. So it was. Wow. Yeah, I never Damn. stopped working. So it, was, it was fine. It was really busy. Or, it was busier than normal times. Damn. Somehow, Damn. Somehow. I'm like, just, I'm just like such an anxiety ridden person that if I'm not like creating or doing something, I just like absolutely get lost. So that's the only way that I stayed sane was just like really keeping myself busy. That's good. I'm, that's good yeah. for your mental health. Yeah. As long as you didn't feel like burned out. No, yeah. no. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like proved to myself that I can never stop going. Yeah. That's a good thing or not, but like- You're you know, like a one yeah. woman production, I feel like. <laughs> the production value went significantly, drastically up. Uh, during yes, the, yes. the panini, yeah. the Panera bread, the Panera really yes, it, she honestly <laughs> she did me one good girl. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna start from the beginning. You are a LA kid. What was that like growing up in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm from I'm from California. I'm from Los Angeles. I uh, grew up in an area called Silver Lake, which oh, is, I yeah, love which Silver is Lake. a really cool little sort of like liberal little town that was a neighborhood. And then I moved uh, closer to Hollywood around middle school. And then for like the rest of my time in Los Angeles was really like a Hollywood and downtown Los Angeles kid. And I was like, started working in nightlife out there uh, prior to moving to New York, which is kind of like how Nikki Otov like became a thing. I've only ever been called that like um, 
even before I was doing drag. I like never really gave any thought to changing my name when I did start doing drag because I've always been Nikki Otav and like mm-hmm. what you see is what you get. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like a very proud Hollywood girl. Yes. <laughs> that must've been interesting growing Hollywood is a weird area. <laughs> it was yeah, interesting I, I, growing I mean, up there. It's a weird place. And honey, I knew like the weirdest of the weirdos. Yeah. And- so I really kind of like came up around people who were like way older than me mm-hmm. um, going out in Los Angeles, like first when I really didn't have a fake ID to like <laughs> warehouse parties in uh, sort of like in warehouses that were used like during the day for like food storage, just like really random places that someone convinced to give them the the space for the night and they would throw like twerk bounce parties there basically. Oh my God. So I came up through like the twerk bounce music scene in Los Angeles and I was a bomb twerker for a minute there too <laughs> and I was just like always the kid that was the most willing to just get up on the speakers and like twerk on it and that's literally how I got noticed and ended up being like working in the club scene and get finally getting that fake ID and working in clubs in Los Angeles so, so they were like she, she just loves to have a good time how old were you I know you're really young <laughs> uh like my 16th birthday party was in a club so like, <laughs> my late 15th year is when I was like really at those raves those underground raves and then by 16 I was like working like at least once a week in clubs in Los Angeles masquerading as if I was 21 so it's been a long time bitch see I'm used to like queens starting like like if they did drag like starting around like 17 18 but like you were you were yeah. getting up in there even Child. earlier than that <laughs> yeah, absolutely. but these are also by the way these were strictly just like dress up crazy be mm-hmm. loud and dance hard like this was not makeup no, there was no makeup involved no. this was like purely just come and get lit really yeah i was young that sounds like a good time i wish i was there yeah. with you but I, yeah. but I now have spent like over a third of my life li- like only ever working a nightlife because of getting my start back then so like i'm very used to just being in a party atmosphere for a job you're, you're probably used to like screaming very loudly so people can yeah <laughs> it's carried, carried into my day life can you tell <laughs> Absolutely. So, so how did you end up in new york um well uh all, like so basically all during high school i was working in the clubs and i mean it like was something that i really just enjoyed doing like and the more that i was involved with the nightlife scene in los angeles the more detached i would say from like from school and from, I don't know, yeah, from studying. And like, I've always was like a really dedicated student. I was always the class president and all of that. Even, oh. dur- even during my time working in the club, <laughs> I was also like the class president and was really dedicated to school. And my outward appearance started looking crazier and crazier over those years, which made the, like, the school very uncomfortable in a lot of different ways. Um, culminating in them asking me not to come to like a school assembly that I was supposed to speak at because they were like embarrassed by the way that <gasps> I looked. And at that point, I kind of like rebelled against everything. And As you uh, should, I, yeah. It was fucked. And I like totally roasted them on Facebook and it went like viral and all of the school got involved and they had to apologize to me and all of that. But um, that came at like a really perfect time because I was like already feeling this real, like the, the, the like dichotomy of my life at that time between working late at night and then being this really dedicated student. They were not really overlapping anymore. And the part that was giving me my life that was really exciting me was being involved in nightlife and with being involved in nightlife, being involved with designers that were working in LA and doing photo shoots and doing art. And at this point I started to get, you know, more and more interested in like, fashion, design, art, all of those things because I was um, interacting with artists in Los Angeles in nightlife. So once that shit went down with my school, I was like, fuck this, Mm. I'm out. And really just like completely threw myself into nightlife for like the last part of my uh, senior year. And I knew that I was really gonna need to go to college because my parents really, really wanted that. Mm. Neither of them were really able to go to a good school, whatever in that them being able to like send me to college was something that they were really proud of. So I knew that that was gonna be an option, but I was like, wherever I go, it's gonna be the laxest op- the most lax option for me. And it really has to be in New York. I was like, I was obsessed with Party Monster. I was a club kid in LA, but that wasn't really that big of a thing at the time. And I was mm-hmm. like, that is who I'm gonna be. I gotta go and get me a piece of that action. 
So I applied to schools and I only applied to one school. I was like, if I don't go to NYU, I don't want to go to any school because I wanted to go for art. And they seem to have like a really hands-off approach to schooling. And at this point I was so not into academia. So I was like, this seems like the right place. I only applied there. If I didn't get in, I wasn't going to go to college. I was just going to have to disappoint my parents, but I did get in. And so that's how I ended up in New York and immediately going to school here. I ended up immediately like going out and partying and then immediately working. I actually landed my first gig, literally just walking down uh, Christie street and a bouncer outside of the box in New York, just asking me if I had any obligations on Tuesday nights. And I said, no. And he said, all right, well, here's my card. Call me and come in for a meeting. And like that week I ended up working at the box every Tuesday. So it just happened. Like it was fate. I was meant to do this. Literally. Damn. Jesus that's like Christ, that divine yeah. intervention. I could like, listen to these stories all day. This is fascinating. <laughs> well, I was thinking of you, Martin, because I know Nikki's story is kind of similar to yours a little bit. Mm-hmm. I also went to NYU. That's how I got oh, here. Oh, word. Um, yes. Yeah. Where I um, also felt completely out of love with them, too. But that's... Oh, yeah. yeah. I was never in love with them. <laughs> I was... Uh, I, I, thought, <laughs> I, I thought I was going to find my place there. But, like, yet again, my place is, like, my place is in the streets, you know? <laughs> Um, with the people okay not the institutions so i'm obsessed with that bouncer story because that reminds me of like james st james and you said you love party monsters it's very that vibe (laughs) we have a lot of similarities i ended up Mm -hmm. um kind of becoming friends with him and i did his show when he had his makeup show Mm -hmm. and i ended up finding out he lived in the same dorm that i ended up living at, at nyu on the same floor so like, and like, yeah, like there's a lot of like, I don't know, I feel a deep connection with him actually. That, that's my soul sister. And at the time I thought that all I wanted to be was the like second coming of James St. James. And it kind of worked out, but I'm so glad that I found other things too, because um, you can only take that club kid shit so far, <laughs> but it's it was a good true. time. It's true. Um, well, during this time you had a documentary made about you, which yeah. I didn't know about. <laughs> it is called Club Kid. Yeah, it's literally called Club Kid. I am very upset I can't find it online. It has I- been it has been scrubbed from the Ooh. internet. Why? Because the two people that produced it ended up going on to things that weren't documentary filmmaking. Um, mm-hmm. One of them is Christian Coppola, who is now like directing short films that are that are not like non-documentary. They're like narrative that he writes and directs. And the other person that made that is this girl, Zolita, who's um, like a, a lesbian pop musician who's really badass. But anyway, I think either both of them didn't want that work coming up as like the main thing when you Google um, it. So they got rid of it, but it was a good, it was cute. It was really yeah. cool. Actually. I well, wish someday I'll have to get it. Honestly, <laughs> I'm mad because like I wrote an article for work.com about all the like drag documentaries because I really got into that during quarantine. And I was like, oh, I didn't know about this one. And boom, can't find it. <laughs> yeah. I just watched Wig for the yes. first time. So good. The Charlene Incarnate story. So good. Really <laughs> it really is. Really, I'm like. <laughs> I didn't realize how much it was like literally just her documentary. It's, it's literally her documentary. Yeah. And like the, the older queens are in the background, kind of. Yeah, it's so badass. It's so badass. <laughs> Did you ever watch Wigstock? Oh yeah, many times. I love Wigstock. Many that's times. That's one of my yeah. all-time faves. I yeah, love I love that. I sometimes I have to sort of like sometimes I get stressed out when something's recommended to me that I know is like gonna change me profoundly, mm-hmm. and so I'll avoid uh, watching like a film or a documentary for as long as I possibly can because I know like it's gonna overload my brain. Mm-hmm. And I did that. And once I finally watched Wigstock, I was like, okay, it absolutely is everything I thought it was going to be. But I have since watched it many, many, many times. Oh, yeah. I love <laughs> it. It's such a good one. Too good. So good. Oh, my God. Um, on my list. You. Mm. I know. I'm bad. Don't, don't yell at me. Fantastic. <laughs> and it's available in its entirety. On it's YouTube. on YouTube for free. I know. It's on YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah. No excuses. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So after, well, later on, you went viral on Jimmy Kimmel Live, yeah. which is also not available online, so I couldn't find it, but- That's no longer online? I couldn't find it online. Oh my God, wow. Well, I will actually finally live to see this down. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Um, I um, was like very 
I had just moved to New York, whatever. And I was like, definitely jocking my crazy LA style. And I just like really wanted to see that what fashion week was all about. And I moved to New York to go to school, but my best friend who was a little bit older moved basically around the same time from Los Angeles to be with me too. And so we were like, just went to Lincoln Center to just check out what the scene was like. But of course, like looked really crazy because we were trying to like, you know, we were like, honestly, like trying to go get in on the action and like probably like find a back door and get in, you know? Hell yeah. We were there and immediately like a, a like a news crew asked if we they could get like certain takes or our take like on looks from that day at Lincoln Center. So we of course said yes. And they took us off to the side and were showing us photos like printed out of uh, runway looks that came down the like runway that day. And we gave like all of these like snippy little answers, like we were like fashion insiders, but it turned out to not really be a news crew. It was just like a production crew from Jimmy Kimmel Live. So they showed me this photo of a guy walking down the runway in like a, in a suit with a watermelon with two eye holes cut out. And I was like, oh, well, bitch, it's fat. That's called fashion. Look it up, you know? And (laughs) they like, that's like the only part of, of that clip that they aired, of course. And um, yeah, it like went viral online. And the reason so many people found me is because my friend in LA had made me a necklace that was huge that looked like the Nickelodeon logo, but it said Nikki Otop. So like everybody was able to find me online to both troll me and to be like, yes, bitch, you turned it on Jimmy Kimmel. But that's like how people really actually found out about me in the world. (laughs) So it kind of worked out. And then obviously that it's called fashion. Look it up to this day is obviously like fucking everywhere. You should have like a mix with that. <laughs> I think we're trying and we were gonna honestly I should. You should. I, I, should. I just it understood should. you. Yeah, I think we were gonna make a song at one point. Yeah. But um, but yeah, it never happened. But anyway, like, yeah, that people still to this day when I meet them for the first time, they're like, oh, I know about you. <laughs> I know, I remember it's called fashion, look it up. So yeah. Oh my god. Wait, did you like originate that phrase? Because that's just like internet. I definitely did not originate that, okay. phrase, but <laughs> but I absolutely popularized. Yeah. It. Yes. Yes. Man. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. I, was say, I had like... well, I had totally seen like a, it's called Fashion Brenda. Look it up. You know, like yeah, you know, okay, okay. or something. But <laughs> yeah. no, but no. That then it exploded after mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and then you kind of like got into the fashion scene through yeah. that, which is funny because you were trying to break into it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> that day. So yeah, I mean that probably coincides pretty closely with when I started working for the box like when I I was stopped and just asked if I could start working so at this point I was now like pretty frequently working in nightlife and uh because of being associated with certain clubs when designers would want to know like you know who do we get on the ground in New York that can basically like bring bring the nightlife when we do our fashion week parties uh a lot of people would say yeah turn to Nikki so I ended up hosting lots of after parties and runway shows for like a lot of different designers and walking for beat files and just making a lot of connections through honestly, both the mixture of being on that clip and having that little viral moment, as well as just like really being out and about in New York very frequently. What was your favorite like brand to work with? Well, I'm like just a lifelong, really, really huge fan of Jeremy Scott. So when I got to host their after party at Flash Factory and just like dress up in all of my favorite Jeremy Scott gear, I was pretty stoked about that. Um, but I've had a lot of like really fun moments in nightlife that all are really the best during fashion week. Although now I have to tell you, it's really dead now. Fashion week, especially I think the pandemic has really permanently reshaped fashion. And I honestly think it's cool. It's like they really democratize fashion now. Like there's not really, it's so much cooler now seeing what they're, what all these designers are doing creatively with these runway videos that anybody can stream and watch rather than mm. it being like a traditional show that only so many people can be in attendance of. So, yeah. so I think the like fashion weeks that really like were formative for me are dead and gone. But isn't that always the case in New York? It's like, oh, oh yeah. it used to be so fabulous. And you know, it's just not the same anymore. But here I am, now I'm that girl. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna fall out of a window like Kirsten Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> no, <not really. laughs> I just rewatched that, I love it. Uh, it's such a good moment. <laughs> Hopefully she'll be back in just like that. (laughs) Okay, kids, we're going to take a little break. Um, We'll be right back, but we're going to talk all things about Nikki's drag and transitioning from a club kid to a drag queen. Um, You better not go anywhere. You better not go nowhere. Wait, did you just say wait? What? 
Wig, okay. about yeah we talked about this um a little bit during a little break but um transitioning from a club kid to a drag queen how did that start how did that become your next move well um i was like i said working in nightlife pretty frequently and uh at like the craziest time in my sort of like nightlife career i was throwing two really big parties on friday nights and saturday nights at this club that opened up called flash factory and at the time they gave me a really long leash and uh, sort of like a discretionary budget. So I was booking like 60 of my friends to work these parties a week, like 30 Friday night, 30 yeah. uh, Saturday night. And it was just <laughs> like absolute mayhem. The looks, there was always a theme. Everybody really did crazy looks and everything was free. It was really giving like limelight. It was really- oh. And we were like this like little family and it was so great and so great until the club's checks started bouncing. (laughs) And all of these people who are my friends were now suddenly like, what the fuck is going on? Like my check bounced. They're like, I have like an overdraft fee. It all went to shit when the club's finances went to shit. And it put me like on the spot because obviously I had nothing to do with payroll, but I was the person that was their contact. And it was so dispiriting that I got everybody paid. I, we stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. And I was so traumatized from having like a hundred texts a day from people needing their money who I thought were a little, would be a little more understanding with me since we were friends just outside of me being a check to them. Well, it, it turned out they maybe were like fast friends that weren't really like real true friends with mm-hmm. obviously some exceptions, but it was just like, a really traumatic time, honestly, because I felt like I lost a lot of relationships at, in one fell swoop for something that I really wasn't involved with, you know? But after that, I kind of just was like, refocused myself, wasn't doing nightlife for a while because I just was like, like I said, traumatized from that and uh, had just taken a break. And I don't know, during my whole time in New York and even before, I've just like always loved Drag Race, you know, but um, had never really been involved with any of Queens from Drag Race had occasionally booked queens from drag race for our parties but um was more like i said in like the club kid scene which involved some degree of drag but never really performances at the parties that i was doing so i wasn't really involved with any drag shows you know but um after i would say like a six to nine month break i was asked by um one of the people who i did not lose in that ugly financial fiasco from the club this queen jessa hit me up and she was like, hey, we're gonna be doing a season 10 drag race viewing party at the Museum of Sex. And we're like looking for a host, would you wanna host it? And I like really thought about it. It had been a minute and I was kind of just missing doing things that were social. So I said, yes. And finally it was the, the first episode was airing and I was meant to go there. And I thought to myself, you know what? Like I should just try to do drag for this. It would just be fun to go in drag. So I like had long hair at the time. I like styled my hair and thrifted an outfit and like went in drag. And that night I met my best friend who was also just starting off in drag, this Queen Joe Disco. And we just hit it off like immediately. And I ended up hosting like every week at that, um, at that viewing party, the Museum of Sex. And they were like, also, if you want to perform, like you can, like any of the hosts can perform. So I kind of just threw my hat in the ring and started performing at it and like really found what I loved. So that's like post that I still definitely did host things in nightlife, but almost never not in drag. I just like, and the performing aspect of it is what I think I was missing the entire time that I was just like a club kid doing nightlife stuff. There's this allure of just going, like appearing somewhere and being paid to do it. That's Mm -hmm. alluring at Mm -hmm. the beginning, but I feel like it can be a lot like, more soulless Mm -hmm. when you're working those kind of events it's really about seeing and being seen Mm -hmm. and you're not always adding a lot to I don't know to I don't you're not always like soaking up or putting out a lot of culture it's kind of like it boils down to just turning up in a look and everybody else turns up in a look and it's shady and it's it's like I said it's all about seeing and being seen 
once I found performing and that everybody was pouring themselves out through performance and everyone else was living for it and there was a culture of clapping and like loving what a queen was doing, that's what I had been missing that whole time from my experience in nightlife. So once I found that, there was not really any going back, I feel like, you know, it's a much more positive atmosphere, I think. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, having been it, having been in both sides of this, and I should know because right. I've really done both, you know. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, and I think that that honestly goes back to my like complete roots in nightlife. Like I said, these like twerk bounce parties. It was all about going and having a good time, and it was like I got noticed because of the energy I was bringing. At yeah. that time, I wasn't really a look queen. I just had a good energy about me. You know what I mean? And that's why I fell in love with nightlife. Was it was like having a good time and putting something out there. Uh, and I lost that for a second with the nightlife stuff there was just club kid just turning a look and then I found it again with drag how would you describe your drag style for someone who's never seen it before well I've seen you perform I would I would describe my look as very pop art and club kid inspired still but with a lot of polish and a lot of attention to detail it's really colorful it's always meant to be fun and a little cheeky and I think my dra- uh, drag performance style is pretty similar. It's colorful, it's fun, it's uplifting. Um, I love telling a story with a number and I love keeping the mood like light and upbeat. Um, I think that that's like, for me, that's what entertaining is. And I absolutely appreciate people that are deep and all of that, but I wouldn't say I'm necessarily deep. I like, like to, ha- you know, make people have a good time. What, what are your Definitely like drag... Not. Yeah, what are your like drag inspirations? I mean, I love divas. I'm fully a diva worshiper. I mean, I don't really know any drag queen that isn't. So I don't know if that that makes me specific, but I've always loved pop stars. I was a huge Gwen fan. Yeah. I was like, you know, I'm a 90s baby. And I'm also (laughs) really inspired by like, I'm really, I am heavily inspired by art. I love uh, bringing in, art history references into my drag and I love the beat of New York and I love like all things New York. So it's always got like an sort of like urban flair to it. I have like a lot of graffiti in my looks. I just, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm like, I, I guess that's like the club kid roots. It's, it's like, it's always like, it always feels pretty New York. I think my drag, I hope that my drag feels like New York. It does. I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Um, you recently did a Warhol look, right? You did a yeah for Halloween. Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's yeah, I transformed um, into like his uh, Marilyn Monroe portrait and the portrait of the and the banana from the Velvet <laughs> cover. Honestly, that is probably the most. Uh, I would say that the look that I did for Halloween this year is like the most. Um, I don't know, indicative of my drag style overall. Mm. It's not really female illusion. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like art illusion. Yeah. Yes. I love that. Yeah. (laughs) hundred (laughs) percent. There's very few queens who do that. So I like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So you've also kind of transitioned into like a drag show producer. You've Mm -hmm. done like a lot of events with $3 bill and come on everybody. There's very few like people in nightlife. I feel like who produce, who also perform. So how did this all happen? Well, um, lately I've been doing, I've been throwing lots more events that are like simply tributes. And that's only because for years now I've been throwing a drag competition at $3 bill called Read My Lips mm-hmm. that uh, where queens compete for uh, like a sort of big cash prize. And it's all voted by the audience in a single night, which was created to be sort of like a foil to the drag competitions where um, a group of queens have to come back week after week after week to compete and finally win the prize. I was like, I wanna simplify this and put up a big cash prize for one single night. So we've been doing those for years. Those are always mm-hmm. some of our most popular events. Our l- last one, our Read My Lips Dua Lipa was our most attended one ever. Um, so those are wonderful and I love them. I'm really passionate about also giving, uh, you know, bringing a stage for people that don't like often have the, um, I don't know, opportunity to perform for like 400 or 500 people. So I love doing the competition and I love sharing that spotlight, but I generally don't perform at those because there's simply not time for it. It's so crazy when you go. Yeah. Yeah, There's simply no time for me to actually perform during them, especially when I'm also running so many different parts of the event, but I really missed that. So we developed this relationship post pandemic with Come On Everybody. I was asked to guest perform uh, for a lot of different shows there. And I love that venue. 
it's in Brooklyn and uh, it's like a much smaller venue than $3 bill, but they have just like such phenomenal resources. They have great lighting, they have great sound, their vibe is so sweet. They're really sweet queer people. And it's just like, it's a true definition of a home bar. So we decided mm -hmm. to throw a party there called Discography that always celebrates one or two musicians music. And that I always perform at now. And because of the success of those, we've started using some of our dates at $3 bill to not do competitions, but simply like do tribute shows, um, including the first one that we did was um, 15 years of Beyonce's B-Day album. And I think we'll probably mm -hmm. continue on that vibe of figuring out, you know, what album that we love is having like a landmark anniversary and just celebrating it. It's nice like to not have a, a comp, com there's always like, you know, of course it's a competition. There's always gonna be like a little shady and there's gonna be like yeah. feelings hurt and people are gonna feel like totally robbed and like <laughs> fine, there's a place for that. But I like, just like to have a good night, you know? Yeah. So it's like nice doing these tribute shows. I love it. Yes. <laughs> no it, it's a, going on. It's like an ingenious <laughs> way to get like a crowd in because it's just like doing like the hits and stuff kind of. Just like, because everybody wants a diva worship. Of course. And like, we yeah. all share like a, you know, a real love for it. I think mm. a lot of people do those. Um, but I think that, I mean, I think in every city, drag queens do um, yeah. tribute nights, of course. But I think when people come to both our ones at $3 bill and our discography party, they can feel that there's like a really different uh, feeling like, of love from us, the producers about the artist but also mm. there's such camaraderie uh, like with the girls that we book for it. And they always genuinely love the artists that we're covering. So there's just like a real feeling of, I don't know, uh, love. And there really is an air of worship just between the dolls <laughs> and out whatever artists we're covering that night. People can recognize yeah. the difference. Oh yeah. I feel like it's also very like campy, like very like drag specific because yeah. like, you know, like, average straight audience isn't gonna like go to a Kim Petras show but like I feel like with the queer community like they would appreciate that <laughs> yeah yeah I mean actually with our discography party we're not really also trying to always focus on like the most mainstream yeah. uh, artists too you know mm -hmm. and in 2022 we're going to be doing a lot more genre ones but even before the end of this year we're doing a night that's like the divas of house so it'll just be like a genre like any house Ooh. artist you know like we're just trying yeah. to like, we're trying to celebrate the divas that would never really get like their own night we just did a sierra one we did what? a robin, <laughs> we, did a robin and, we did a robin and roisin murphy party like we're trying to do oh. parties that like we've i've never been to a, a drag event that was like about them you know mm -hmm. me neither so, <laughs> so yeah like i mean we are doing madonna shortly and like we always obviously throw it back to like huge artists but we're yeah. also trying to like create space for artists that like don't really get their roses mm -hmm. yeah yeah so mm -hmm. switching up gears a bit um you raised ten thousand dollars for queer homeless youth during the pandemic why is like advocacy and activism so important to you well i mean it's like we're always like we always come out obviously both as audience members and as cast members and we always have a fun time and we always kiki but I think too often we get lost in forgetting that like as queer people and as me and any drag queen in the city should be, it's like, we should be leaders. We have a lot of eyes on our, us. And like, if our events never do anything for the greater good and give back, then I think we're really, we're really, I don't know, we're missing out and we're, we're not using our platform like the way that we should, you know? And when we came back from the pandemic, it was like, we really all want to get together. I know we all really want a drag show, but we can't get together unless we're doing something good. Because if the pandemonia showed us anything, it's that everybody in all of our situations are very tentative and very fragile. So when we have the resources to do some good, I think it's really important that we do. And I honestly think that gets overlooked in New York City nightlife a lot, that there should yeah. be a charitable element to everything we do. Yeah. I am 100% with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Full agree. Um, especially, I feel like lately, because like <clears throat> the pandemic's like sort of on its tail end, what it feels like it's on tail end. And also, I mean, even the protests last year, like how often are they brought up and like 
queer spaces nowadays. Like we need to bring that element back into. Right, right. No, I mean, yeah, that, that was yeah. obviously a huge part of it too. Why we really started doing the, the parties that we were throwing mm. for charity were called, we need a Kiki. And they mm. always, they always benefited a local cause. And yeah, I mean, it's just like, I just think so much of night, nightlife is so masturbatory and self-serving. Mm. It's like, you know, it's You're like, right. you can't always, <laughs> yeah. you can't always just be in it for yourself, you know? <laughs> you can't? You, just you, most can. Of the time. you can and lots of successful people are a lot of people okay. are <laughs> but like that don't name them. i don't want us to be those girls so yeah, yeah. We're, we're with you on that well as, as a producer um what are who are some of your favorite people to work with as like both a performer and someone that's easy to work with who 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 do you love basically well we've we've really we've really solidified this little drag family that has no name, but I guess it could just be the girls of discography who just, we've just all fallen in love with. It's funny that you guys just emailed, or emailed, sorry, that you guys just chatted with Bojangles because she's one of them. Behind the scenes is just as important to me as what you do on stage. And mm. I have this new rule of thumb, which is if I don't fuck with you in the dressing room, we're not fucking booking you for anything. No matter how big, famous, or influential you are, if I can't fuck with you off the stage, you're not gonna be part of something that we do. <laughs> so anybody that has been on any of our flyers is someone that I feel like I love because I test them out before, you know? Like we mm. need to know that we love you before we book you for that. So Bo is one of them. Dev Doe and uh, Mariah from the Cover Girls are really amazing. I love um, Junior Mint. We I just did a sh her show last night. Like one of the best I've ever m met. My mm -hmm. best friend Joe Disco and but so many people. But those are some of the main ones who have just we just keep having them back because we love them so much. Oh, Julie J is another one who if y'all haven't haven't met her, you should absolutely interview her. She's really something. Oh. Yeah, I haven't heard the name, but yeah. yeah. She's awesome. She's awesome. Uh, so your Instagram is freaking popping. You're <laughs> almost at 30K. Oh my God, girl. And you have some very prominent people following you. What is that like? Most prominent. You know what? One, when I die, my headstone will read Rihanna followed. Okay. <laughs> Probably the most significant achievement I will ever, ever have in my whole life. And I really hope that that day never comes when she says, who the fuck is this that I'm following? Unclick. But she lives for the dolls. So I don't think it will. Um, but yeah, that that's like the only one that I really, really, really care about. Like that Rihanna some, somewhere in Barbados, somewhere, wherever she's at, Cannes or Paris, Milan, she's somewhere has the ability to go check my Instagram and message me. <laughs> I actually used to be friends with her social media manager. <laughs> I'm surprised oh that there is one because uh, obviously if at, the, if at the time that she managed her social media, I'm sure I would have never gotten the follow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I am very proud of that and will go to my grave being Yeah. As you should. Wait, what Olympian <laughs> follows you? You know, I sent that to you. I wrote that that, that a minute ago and I think I had just. Is it like Adam Rippon or someone? No, I'm genuine. Oh no, I'm genuinely trying to think about that right now. I had sent you like a bio that yeah. I just recently wrote for someone for a mm -hmm. casting. And I mm -hmm. genuinely, I could not remember who it was. Ooh. But at the time, mm -hmm. I think I just got a follow and it's someone with a blue check mark and th it said Olympia gold medalist. And then, <laughs> but I don't know. It's not like a cool one of the cool yeah, yeah, yeah. Gay it's ones. Just like a someone random that Olympia. is in the Olympics follows me. <laughs> That's fine. Rihanna's enough. Yeah, I'm sure Rihanna. other people will follow you too. I, I mean. did cocaine with Sean White one time though. <laughs> <laughs> How was that? I was just thinking about that the other night at the box. <laughs> Oh, of course at the box of yep. course of course yep. where else oh my god where else? oh my god that's really funny <laughs> that that doesn't surprise me at all <laughs> <laughs> stories of my youth yeah right <laughs> um, oh god I, um i think for our last topic before break please tell us about uh meltdowns by nikki um your uh, custom fashion well i'm so interested <laughs> meltdowns is my like basically my painted fashion work but uh, mm. in 2022, it's gonna, I'm gonna breathe new life into it. And it's gonna develop into uh, like other sort of areas of commerce specifically, um, like 
housewares because I'm like very passionate about my interior design too. My house looks just about as crazy as my Instagram does. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, Meltdowns is basically like my um, one of a kind, like custom painted leather goods and faux leather goods, whatever. Like I paint accessories, mm-hmm. paint a lot of jackets and I paint myself a lot of outfits too. Uh, leather painting is what I do basically as a day job. So Meltdowns mm-hmm. is kind of my archive of all of my painted work for clients and lots of commissions. If you look at the Instagram right now, it looks so stale, like I haven't done anything in forever, but I've just been too busy to update it. I'm mm-hmm. always working on projects and always painting stuff. Um, in fact, I'm just about to begin a um, jacket for uh, a really popping new actress cool. who I will, uh, I shall well, remain, in the break. <laughs> remain nameless until I can release this work, but I'm painting her an epic trans birth of Venus oh, on the back yeah. of the leather jacket. She's an awesome trans actress. And so she she just commissioned a trans birth of Venus jacket, which I think is so cool. I'm going to ask you who it is during the break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounds Ooh, gorgeous so though. I'm very excited yeah. about that. Yeah. Yeah. We've uh, done stuff for, we've done, we've actually also done stuff that has yet to come out for Bob and Monet. Um, I think that there might, they may even be making an appearance on a future Drag Race season, I feel like, since mm-hmm. we made them and I never saw them. I think mm-hmm. that. Well, I know some tea about that. <laughs> oh, all right, well, when we go to break, we about to be Yeah, we're going to, there's going to be a lot of off break. <laughs> sorry, um, y'all. <laughs> sorry, y'all. Um, and on that note, I think we should take our next break. So we'll take break. the break yeah. so we can actually <laughs> I think about so, too. <laughs> yeah. Right. We'll be right back, kids. Bye. Bye. And we're back, kids. Mm, an actual break. Aren't they lovely? All right. <laughs> um, we're just gonna go through our regular wrap-up questions. I like these questions. They're like softballs, but they're like kind of. But fun. we always get a different answer. That's why. Yeah, I like we it. do. We do. We do. Um, Caitlin's question, her favorite question, my least favorite question. This is my. Um, it's one of them. You can go. I know. <laughs> uh, do you think you'll ever be on, or do you want to be on Drag Race or Dragula or Camp Wanakiki or whatever reality show we oh, have Camp in the future Wanakiki. with drag? drag or race. more singing drag shows or painted yeah. by Raven? Definitely no singing drag shows. Do I think I'll ever be on Drag Race? Yeah. Uh, I think that they should let me go on Drag Race. For I sure. agree. I really think so. I, I have to believe in myself. And I do think that eventually my, de- my time will come. My time will come. Um, mm-hmm. They desperately I, uh, need like conceptual looks, and that's what you would bring. Yeah, yeah. I, I know that my runways would slay. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I feel like there's not a lot of look queens that bring like personality. That's correct. But I feel like I'm luckily like blessed in that in that area too. Like that's my thing, you know. It's like being yeah. personality, but also serving looks and like having heart. So I do think I'm unique enough to definitely one day grace the main stage, and I hope it does happen, and hopefully not too long from now. Yeah, hopefully audition. You know, yeah. like there's 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 like lots of girls that can go and like they technically are from New York, but like again, like I said, I feel like very emblematic and representative, like of what New York actually is. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would love to go and rep our city there, and hopefully, yeah. So yeah, I'm definitely going to keep on trying, keep on trucking until they make that call. They should, bitch. Yeah. They're missing out. There's very very few like queens left in New York that I'm like, they should be on Drag Race, but I think you're definitely one of them. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I think the girls are plucked because they know that too. (laughs) Honestly, the pandemonium, it thinned the herd. Oh my God. And people are still leaving. I'm like looking at my I'm like looking at my Facebook. They're like, I'm leaving. I'm like, Bye. Yeah, well, now I'm now I'm like a fucking veteran queen. All you right? are. So, you truly are. At this, this point, point. I've been, at this point, I'm time t- time tested. So, uh, Rue, you know, give make make that call, bitch. Let's go. Like a real New Yorker. Like we do real need real New Yorkers because a lot of people just come here for like short term, get seen by yeah. our guest producers or whoever, and then boom, they're gone. I'm a lifer yeah. diva. I can't even leave New York for vacation. Okay. Like, oh my god, I'm the sa- I'm the same way. I get like. I get homesick and I'm, I'm not from here. I get homesick when I'm out for like an hour of the city. <laughs> like, I can't. Like, I can't no, I'm, a, I'm a lifer. I'm a lifer, girl. Mm-hmm. 
No, I feel that big time over here too. Um, going to the next question. Uh, what are your future projects you got got to promote? Well, um, kind of on the earlier subject that we were talking about with fundraising, I've been wanting for the longest time to do a Britney tribute event because obviously, well, I not obviously, I have always been, Britney is like my first iconic diva since I was a kid. I loved Britney. And it was only maybe five years ago that I found, finally found out that we share the same birthday where we were both born on December 2nd. So she's my Sagittarius sister. Yeah. And I've been really wanting to with our new events like that are all tribute nights to Britney, but so many people were cashing in on Britney being in the news, obviously. Yeah. And I kind of actually thought it was fucked up because I'm like, man, everybody's being so capitalistic yet again, profiting off of Britney's pain and strife and like just lining their pockets with it, you know? So I was like, when we finally do do a Britney tribute night, it has to do something good for the world, you know, in her honor. So mm. we, I, this year I decided, oh, you know, like we should do it for our birthday. So on December 2nd, which is both my 27th birthday and Britney's 40th birthday, we're throwing a party called It's Britney Bitch. It's um, a benefit show with over 20 queens all performing Britney's hits. And all of the proceeds from the event are going to be evenly split between Fun Texas Choice, which is an organization helping women in Texas get access to abort abortion medical care that they no longer can access in the state of Texas. And the other uh, organization will be Glitz, Gays and Lesbians Living in a Transgender Society, who provide housing and work opportunities for uh, trans people of color here in New York City. So it's both local and also for Texas. Yeah, you guys have to come. I'm coming. Oh, yeah, I'm coming. Definitely, <laughs> Definitely going. I'm, I'm, I'm going yeah. to the Britney one for sure. For sure. Perfect. Yeah, I live down the I live down the street from Three Dollar Bill, so there's no excuse for me to like not show up to anything. No, you absolutely <laughs> have to, and I would, you know, I would tell you guys that I would put you on the list, but we're not even doing one because everybody has to help these charities. Well, yeah, yeah I would want to no give to charity. So yeah, yeah it's gonna be a good thing. It's gonna be a good thing, but I will save you both a merch bundle. We're doing. Oh, yeah. First bundles for the VIP tickets, and uh, I will put two bags aside for y'all. Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Of course. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm excited. <laughs> I will be traveling with some performers over there, so it'll be yeah. <laughs> um, Okay. So what is the best advice you've been given in drag? This is a hard one. I'm stumped. I don't get a lot of advice in drag, honestly. I don't really have like a drag mother, but I do have a lot of drag sisters. I think the best advice that I've gotten is from my best friend, Joe Disco, who's with me 24 seven and often asks as my assistant on gigs that I'm going out. And she knows I get all in my head uh, and I get you know tremendous stage fright. Despite having done this so long, I'm always nervous to go out in front of the audience. And she always tells me, bitch, just have fun. Like when you look like you're having a good time, Nikki, generally speaking, everybody else is also having a good time. So that's probably the simplest, but the best piece of advice I've gotten. It's true though. Cause like yeah. the audience reacts, like they know if you're being real or not, the audience reacts to that. Yeah, 100%. I just, there really is so much talent in New York. And oftentimes, I mean, I mean, the lineups that I put together are <laughs> such incredible people that it's like, <laughs> There's like nothing I can do but compare myself to them. But Joe just reminds me, it's like, listen, you're your own queen. And um, if you're having a good time, they are too. Okay. Yeah, dude. And you're always a good MC, and the world needs more of that. <laughs> I try to keep it quick because I hate when the MCs go on way too long. Okay. It's not, <laughs> no one is here for that. <laughs> and just keep it pushing. Yeah. Keep pushing, girl. Keep it pushing. <laughs> um, I believe it's my turn. Yay. My favorite question. Miss <laughs> uh, Nikki, can we have a the craziest nightlife story that you have experienced? Something cra uh, something scandalous, something juicy, something unexpected, something legendary. Uh, okay. Something gross. It's something. fully traumatic. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> That's the best way to start this. It's definitely <laughs> dramatic. Okay. So I was, uh, there's so many to choose from, but honestly, a new one just popped in my head and this one's pretty good. I was invited uh, a number of years ago 
to, I, I was living in the dorms and I got a letter in the mail and it was an invitation to go to the um, launch party, the premiere of Gaga's Chromatica. I'm not Chromatica, sorry. Gaga's <laughs> Art Pop <laughs> album. And the Art Pop invitation for the Art, art Rave, the mm-hmm. first ever Art Rave that was gonna be private was just an invitation to come to appear in the city, but it did not say where it was gonna be or like any of the details. It was like, basically just come here and you'll have further instruction. So me and my friends went um, to other people that I knew that were going to it too. We all dressed up and we went and to this pier and there was a million little monsters at it. We had to wade through this crazy crowd of fans and finally got to the pier and it was, the invitation was actually just to get on a boat and you still didn't know where you were going. (laughs) So we finally got on, they checked my ID to the invitation, we got on, we're in. We get on the boat and the boat just takes us across the water to the Brooklyn Naval Yard where there was a huge warehouse set up with all those humongous Gaga statues by Jeff Koons Uh, and all these different celebrities. Terry Richardson was there, Carmen Carrera was there, so many other people. And I was so starstruck, it was awesome. And we were like drinking, we were hanging out. Um, And later on that night, the lights dimmed and it was finally time for like her to make her appearance and perform at her album launch party. So we're in the middle of the crowd, directly in the middle of the crowd. And I hear commotion from behind and suddenly I realize she's coming to the stage from the back of the audience. There's all these bodyguards pushing apart the crowd to make way for her to walk through the audience. And I'm dead center in the middle of the room. So they keep getting near, they keep getting near, they push us all apart. I'm literally pushed into people so she can pass by me. And when they passed, the the gap closed so quickly, so rapidly back together that I was fucking trampled. (gasps) Oh no. And I remember nothing. I saw none of the show. And the next day I woke up in the Brooklyn Medical Center (laughs) in a hospital gown but with my full entire look on still. Oh my God, no. <laughs> like literally out of a fucking movie, Ivy in the arm. I was so shook. I didn't know anything. I had no recollection. Turns out I was absolutely had a concussion, but like no one was in the room. So I ripped the IV out of my arm, like got my shit and just left like full makeup on still. Don't even remember much past that point. Like I was severely concussed. Um, I remember throwing up in the park and somehow got on the train, got back to my dorm, slept in the handicap stall of the um, bathroom on the first floor of my dorm for like an entire day, woke up the next day and like probably stayed in like the entire week. I was so traumatized by it, but that is one of my craziest experiences ever. (laughs) It's giving me the Astroworld vibes. I know. I started, yeah. to, I started telling this story and then I was like, wait, this is such a bad moment in history to be telling this story. it's the anyway, right moment. <laughs> anyway, I guess it's topical and uh, luckily it ended okay for me, but that's one of my crazy, that's one of oh the glamorous God. to least glamorous in a 24 hour span of time. I was going to say that had, that had everything. <laughs> it had peaks oh and valleys, Diva. Okay? Oh my God. God. Well, I was going to say oh, the good okay. thing about that was that you um left the hospital so they can't give you a medical bill. Oh, they sure as shit found me, Dave. Oh, damn. I really wanted to live that one down, but they said, no, Miss Nikki, you got to pay uh, that to have you. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's a I'm, new one. I'm like, I know, I'm like, like I'm That's still a new one. <laughs> and that wasn't, that wasn't even the one that I thought of earlier when you guys asked this, t- told me to prepare for this question. That just appeared in my mind. The other craziest one that I was thinking of was there was this girl who one time reached out to me and was like, my little, my little sister is a huge fan of you, but she's not 21 and, but she really wants to meet you. It's about to be her birthday. Could I like pay you to take her makeup shopping. I'll come with her to chaperone. It would just mean a lot because she really loves your style and like, but she can't come to the clubs to meet you. So I was like, sure, whatever. So I met up with them. They were really nice. They did in fact pay me. They also bought me cosmetics at Sephora when we were all out there. And then they were, I was like, actually tonight I'm doing a party, a private party. And I'm just like doing people's like face paint at this like private rave. 
the the kid the like younger sister was like 17 so she wasn't like that young mm-hmm. and her older sister was 21 so like mm-hmm. they were like both pretty similar and by the way at this time I was probably like 19 so I was right in the middle so I was like you guys could come with me to that so they came with me they were like a little drunk because they bought us champagne before we went to it I brought all my makeup with me and we set up in this private rave that was right off of Union Square and no one was there yet so we like all sit down on this couch. I'm laying out my makeup. And then I'm like, would you guys like a beer? Like, I'll go get us some beers while we're waiting for them to open up the doors. They're like, sure. So I leave all my stuff with them and I go to the bar, uh, come back to the couch and they're gone. All of my makeup, my jacket, I had taken my shoes off, my phone, my wallet, everything is gone with them. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like they weren't scammy vibes. They had just paid me to hang out that week, that day. So I was like, they're not, they don't think they tried to steal my shit, but I couldn't find them. They were nowhere to be found. So I go to the front and I'm like, Hey, did you guys see those girls leave? They're like, Oh yeah, they were really drunk. They got in a huge fight and we asked them to leave. Can I use your phone? I need to call my phone. Like they have all my shit. So the door girl at this private rave gives me her phone and I step outside and I'm like calling my own phone, not getting an answer. And at this exact moment, the police raid this rave and <gasps> shut it down before it begins. So I'm, they're like, everybody out right now. There's no re-entry. Babe, it's like 20 degrees outside. It's February. I have no shoes on, no jacket. I have another girl, the door girl's phone. I don't have my keys wallet, my phone <laughs> or any of my makeup. And I don't know where these girls are. So I'm just like standing around trying to figure out what to do. And the cops are like, you need to get the fuck lost. Like get out of here. So I just start walking home from Union Square to the Lower East Side with some random person's phone who's like being arrested right now. I'm walking home like literally crying, so cold, like actually like a hobo. And a car pulls up next to me. And these guys, these like menacing looking guys jump out and they're like, that's Jessica's fucking phone, man. What the fuck are you doing with Jessica's phone? I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like I had it and the cops kicked me out. They take her phone. So now I have nothing. I have not a single thing. And I'm just like, I guess I'll just try to get in my house. I get home. Luckily my cousin who I lived with at the time was there. I get inside, still don't have any of my stuff. The next day they like contact me by email. They're like, sorry, we were so fucking wasted. We have all your shit. So they got it all back to me. Oh, but like, that was my, one of my craziest nights in nightlife ever. Oh my too. God. <laughs> you cannot trust nobody. <laughs> okay? That's such, a, that's such a quintessential New York story, though. None yeah. of that surprises me. I got it all back, but that was crazy. Yeah. Oh, oh my, my God. God. I need to smoke after both of these stories. <laughs> So I hope one of those works for y'all. Well, both can, of them work. We're gonna probably use both. I'm gonna keep both they're of both. Them. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. I love how they're both like tragic, not fun stories Very at all. Traumatic. But anyway, that's drama. Okay. We love drama. We love the drama. <laughs> we like we like stories that are different. So these are definitely yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um. There's only one question left. <laughs> Last question. Last question. Um. Where do you want to take your drag in the future? I want to keep producing. I want to keep, uh, I want to keep, honestly, the, what I want to do the most of is I just want to keep learning and I want to keep making uh, my drag more and more custom to me and being the person to make absolutely every single element of it. So I want to just keep mastering the different aspects of costuming and experimenting and creating stuff. The pandemic taught me I, I'm capable of directing my own drag and my own events. And I just want to get more and more control of my everything I produce, uh, whether it's my looks or whether it's my shows, I just want to uh, get master all the elements of those things. When I read this question, I was like, you're going to end up owning a club. Like, I could just see it already. Like, I feel like that's what's going to happen. I was just having this conversation. (laughs) No, I will own a club someday. And I first I thought I would call it Nikki's. And then I realized it has to be called Meltdowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. So you know what you're getting into. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh my <laughs> god! Tonight it's gonna be crazy. Like, come yeah, on. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Love, yeah, oh some, someday that's for right. sure, for sure. I feel like that's like your ultimate like career trajectory. Oh, good. I'm so glad. Yeah, that yeah, for real. <laughs> that would that should happen. It would be a really fun spot. I feel there's like very few people who produce well at nightlife. <laughs> so yeah. I feel like it's, I you're know definitely it. there. I know it. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm shocked at how bad these girls are at producing things when yeah. I'm part of, when I'm just on one and I'm like, I don't know what time to arrive. I don't know the address of the club. I still don't have a flyer in the shows tonight. I'm like, wow, how the fuck do people function like this? So thank you. I appreciate that feedback. It's true. It's true. The oh world should know. The world should know. <laughs> oh my God. Well, um, thank you so much for Yay! coming on our little show. You were such a good oh. guest. It yeah, you were my pleasure. Uh, thank, you for, thank you so much for having me. Of course. Where can the kids find you online? Um, all things Nikki Otav. That's N-I-C-K-Y-O-T-T-A-V. It's not N-I-C-K-I, okay? It's not It's not Mickey, M-I-C-K-I. It's N-I-C-K-Y-O-T-T-A-V. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the things, Diva. Find yes, me. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you again, babe. It's been such a pleasure. I appreciate um, y'all so much. I appreciate y'all so much. Each of you are amazing, and I really, really loved hanging. Oh, thank you. We did too. Um, but I was Martyr. I was C. Tepper. And this was Wiggle. Woo! Woo! End Bye of the kids. year edition. Know, not. We have one more episode. One more episode. <laughs> well, I'll see you next year, babes. Woo! Yeah, we'll see you next year. We'll have you Bye. back. Ooh, bye. <laughs>